well, let's shift the conversation a little bit last week. We were supposed to do a show earlier in the week, but things just didn't work out, so we didn't get a chance to break down too much of the Chargers game. So the biggest takeaway that most people, at least on Twitter, and Evan's not here to talk about it, but I would have liked to hear his response, but it was hard not to watch that game and notice Jermaine Effetti in a, in a tough way. And Jermaine had a, some early good flashes against Melvin Ingram, but had some like eye-opening bad plays. And just the end of the second quarter where they were trying to put together a two-minute drive and they kept having to dump the ball off, I think Afedi got beat on like four or five straight plays. It, it was hard to watch. So the big news coming out of Seahawks camp this week, I think we got to talk about this, is George Fant switching positions. We've heard mixed things about how P wanted him on the left side to keep it easy. He's coming off a serious ACL injury from last year. He's a very raw player, and he just learned left tackle going into last year, and now he's got a new – now he's got to switch sides because Jamarco Jones, who was probably their best candidate to maybe compete with Fant – I mean, to compete with Fetty, is probably out for a little, quite a while. So, yeah, Fant to right tackle. Let's start with that. Nathan, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I love it. Uh, there's, there, I don't think there's any real downside. Like uh, getting him competing on both sides of the line, um, that's that's something that they've wanted from their guys a lot, and uh, they need the competition over there. Effetti just has not shown the consistency in his performance and the consistency in his, you know, discipline when it comes to penalties and stuff. It, it's, it's a, it's, we're beating an old horse with a, or a, a dead horse with a Fetty, right? Um, so getting, uh, it's hard to think that a Fetty is part of their, their best five. Um, and it's good that we're going to get a chance to see, you know, whether he is or not and, and have that competition. So uh, I, I, no complaints. We'll see what happens, but I, I think it's, it's just, it's all good stuff. Did you guys see uh, Cliff Averill's comments about a Fetty? Um, I think they showed up in the paper that his impression was that he felt like he was entitled to that role or that things were going to be given to him. Um, it was pretty damning. I mean, Cliff Averill's a very positive guy, says nice things. I don't know if some of that has to do with the fact that Fetty got in fights with a lot of the defensive line and they just don't like him as a person, or if that's an accurate read that, that Averill, like, there are some questions, and I've heard rumblings in that locker room, that one of the things that really broke down um, in the last few years, and part of the reason there's been such a huge coaching shift is there wasn't really a feeling that players were being held accountable at the same, like all at the same level. And that, um, you know, a guy like a Fetty has not had to really earn that spot. Um, he's just been given a starting role. And I do believe in the, the competition philosophy in that regard, that, that if you want to really bring out the best of a player, you have to have some threat that there's someone else pushing them. If, if they're just, able if, if you're depending on them pushing themselves and continuing to set the bar higher i think it's less likely that that's going to happen so um i think an interesting subplot here is a fetty and fant from when i've seen them and talked to them they are like they're best buddies i think they might be roommates they like spend all their time together so that's an interesting part of this that's i'm always fascinated by and surprised at how mature <laughs> these players end up being when their livelihoods are at stake in terms of really supporting each other and, 
and not, um, you know, uh, not really trying to sabotage, um, you know, one of their, their, uh, their, their teammates. Okay. Here's a question for you, Brian. Week one, who do you want to be a starting right tackle? Um, I would love it to be George Fant. I mean, I, I really would. I think one of the things that, that I was tweeting about earlier this week was pro football focus. And yes, their grades are good or bad or what people take it for what they, for what it's worth. But Fetty was, you know, he is one of the, again, most poorly graded right tackles in the whole league. I don't think anyone's arguing with that, um, other than maybe the Seahawks and Afedi. Um, but Fant, Fant's graded higher overall, but he is, I think, the second to last when it came to run blocking grade. Um, he had a meaningfully higher, like double, uh, Afedi's pass blocking grade. And that kind of matches my eye from a pass blocking. He's definitely a better pass blocker than a Fetty. But if he's really atrocious at run blocking, you know, I definitely would take that in general. I think that that's the right trade-off to make for a lot of reasons. But I want to make sure... <laughs> I don't want a guy that's the second worst at either, quite honestly. I'd like somebody who's just a better right tackle. But if you had to pick... If I had to pick, I'd pick Fan. And I'd pick, yeah, I'd pick a guy that was a worse, that was a more inferior run blocker because there's a lot less damage that can be caused by mistakes in, in that situation. Is anyone think, interested in seeing Ethan Posick get a, a run here? Like, I have not been impressed with him at left guard. Um, I don't know. Like, I haven't been impressed with Odiambo either. And, you know, Booker oh, and uh, Sweezy aren't healthy, but. It, there's other options to move around here, right? Yeah, that's that's the big question right now because they keep talking about cohesion and having the same five guys the whole camp. And the Tom Cable thing was like moving guys around every two, three days, and that drove like all the O-line purists crazy. But if you got to get your best five on the field, yeah, maybe you do start looking at guys around. And one of the stories of the week that also jumped off our eye and some people have had different views of this was J.R. Sweezy has been practicing at left guard and Pete revealed today that he's coming back from a high ankle sprain. I don't know if that was out there before this week. And he mentioned pretty clearly that he's competing with a Fetty. I mean, with Posick and yeah, some people Posick's pass blocking has been a lot better than his run blocking, which the core strength is going to be a problem for him. He's just, even though he's put on the weight, that's just not something you can just pick up and get although he is bigger and he does seem to be better at pass pro. But my initial read, and I might be wrong based on what Pete said, was I thought because of how bad Reese Odiambo looked and how bad Michael Roos looked. Is it Michael DeJordan? Michael Roos is the old tackle in Tennessee. Yeah. My guess was they just needed a left guard. But the fact that he singled out Posick, maybe that – maybe he is under pressure. I don't think there's any doubt that he's under pressure. And, and I think it's primarily about – getting the best, you know, the best five out there. And I think I think there's a decent chance that Sweezy is a better guard than Ethan Posick is. There's a question for me about Posick's a second year player. Are you, you know, is he improved? Is he on is his trajectory, you know, is he developing? And are you gonna stunt him and at what cost? Are you, you know, is, is Sweezy a long term solution? So I have some of those questions. But then to, to Nathan's question before, 
Uh, I saw Postic at right tackle last year in training camp, and from a pa- again from a pass blocking perspective, he is better than Effetti at right tackle. I saw him going against people like Cliff Averill and and Michael Bennett and like in one one v ones, and there's a was a clear difference between him and someone like Effetti. I don't think he's as good of a pass blocker as George Fant is. Not that Fant is like. <laughs> going to set the world on fire, but uh, I-, I have a hard time seeing Posick beating out Effetti. Um, I think the more interesting question starts to become like, if Fant really is coming on and is going to, it looks like he's going to win that spot. Do they think? Do they put Effetti at you know some of these guard situations to to push there? Not right away. I don't think there's enough time for all that to happen. But could Effetti end up being a, a left guard? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious uh, how that would play out. Yeah, and the the one thing you did notice when how how bad some of their backup offensive line has looked because when Bruce had to come in for Fluker last week when he hurt his finger, that right side completely fell apart pretty quickly. And so they're they're searching for depth options. They're pretty thin right now with Jamarco Jones hurt. So they really. I think whoever wins the right tackle battle, I would have Will Disley lined up right beside them, and I'm not letting any of them in a one-on-one situation until they can prove it. Because week one, you got Von Miller lines up against the right tackle. That's his position. And you saw what Melvin Ingram did to him. Von Miller is the next level up. So if it's a if it's a Fetty or Fant or Posick, you need a lot of help there. So let me ask you guys, do you, do you feel like we have a better chance, an appreciably better chance to beat the Broncos week one in Denver with George Fant at right tackle than we do with Jermaine Fetty? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I mean, the difficult thing that you just threw out there was interesting. He, he'll be able to help either one on a pass play um, if they want to do that with them. Um, I think it's fair to wonder how much value you get out of keeping a blocker in as opposed to letting them get out in a route and giving your quarterback another option. But um, where I think Disley can swing things is if, if Fant is not a very good run blocker, I think Disley can help there and make up for that. Um, whereas Fant as a, as a pass blocker can do some stuff on his own. Maybe he can't handle Von Val- Miller on his own. Not a lot of guys can, but um, maybe he can let you um, let that tight end get out uh, into a route, whereas with Fetty, you're going to be more hamstrung and you're going to have to keep this lane or whatever. So uh, you went out and got a blocking tight end, put him to use. You don't need to have, you know, uh, a, a really good run blocking tackle. I mean, running um, isn't that important. And if you have someone that can be there next to him and help him with the run blocking and Fant can hold his own in the pass blocking, I think that's a, a much better combination um, going into week one or any week for that matter. So um, it's, it just seems none of us will think Jermaine Fetty should be starting week one. I think that's not unreasonable. Well, you know what's frustrating is uh, he hasn't been good. So we have a lot of track record to say he's not good. And he has he shown any improvement? Is there anything that anyone sees from him in the preseason where it's like, oh, well, he's better here? I would. So let me, I will say that, yes, not in ways that I think people are going to really – no, it's not going to change anyone's mind, but I have seen an improvement in terms of the penalty situation. We'll see in a regular season game. Um, I know that in the scrimmage, Pete you know, called him out, but 
He hasn't been a major problem that way so far. I, it seems like there's more focus there. I saw a meaningful improvement from uh, his mentality from year one to year two. This is last, you know, going into last year in terms of how much he was getting baited. When Frank Clark uh, him and knocked him to the ground, he did not like go after him and start up. Like in year one, he was starting fights all the time. He didn't go after Clark because he was knocked out on the ground. Wow. It's hard to go after somebody when you're out cold. I'm just saying he 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 did not start anything. Uh, uh, you know, he was not going after people last year. It was to me, it was a notable difference compared to where he wasn't in. in year one where literally almost every other practice he was getting sent off because he was getting into a, a scuffle with somebody. So I've seen some maturity growth. It seems like a period maturity growth. I did see last year some, some reach blocks that he was making in the run game that were pretty impressive. Um, and he was sealing the edge on those. All these are like, you know, they're all, they're at, they're not enough. They're just, there's not, they're not nearly enough to make up for the, the serious, flaws in his game that are you know really risking the Seahawks uh in all sorts of like pretty serious ways yeah and the worst part about this is it was so projectable like anyone who watches college tape or it was it was you can see this coming from a mile away and I the thing that worries me about him is just the things that he struggles with are not are not the things you can teach yeah his technique could get better but like the snowball effect where he, when he makes one mistake, it just keeps rolling down. And the stuff Cliff Aver was saying, I, I just don't know if you can teach that with a new coach because the rest of the line seems to be progressing. And you're only a strong, it's a cliche as hell, but you're only a strong, if you have one major weak link on your line, it could break everything down. And you saw it with Mel Ingram last week. He was just abusing him. I guess we should shift back to the Chargers game a little bit. There was a lot of interesting developments from that. The score, I, again, I don't put too much stock in the score. I more care about the guys who are going to play. How do they look? And I don't know about you guys, but to me, I was intrigued by Russell Wilson. I thought the deep play action passing game looked fantastic. I thought he was some interesting wide receiver stuff. David Moore looked really good. Jerron Brown looked really good. Um. For a group that looked like a complete disaster entering camp, one to six or one to five, they look pretty interesting now. And they're doing this without Baldwin, without Lockett it in play. So for me, that was my big takeaway. I thought Russell looked great. I know they didn't score any touchdowns down there. They fumbled at the goal line and there were some formation, weird formations down there. But I thought the deep play action passing, that was to me, that was the standout from the game. How about you guys? Nathan, you want to go first? Yeah, um, Shadi has like there's the good and bad, and the good yeah. is all the play action stuff. Um, it's great. Uh, the bad is uh, say, running. Say why? Say why. I saw <laughs> play you. Action stuff? Yeah, I saw you say like I think I'm falling in love with Shadi's play action stuff or something. Say why? Well, play action is just good. Um, it works really well. Quarterbacks pass much better out of play action, um, and with the way that with the personnel packages that shoddy wants to run um you know these not not always heavier sets but you know i, I guess anymore you know a 21 personnel where you've got you know your standard eye formation or whatever that is a heavy set in in kind of today's nfl so he's setting the defense up um and then you know i, I think he's playing to 
uh, he's using his tendencies against the defense and he's playing to Russell's strengths and he's playing to some of the strengths of these wide receivers and stuff. Um, and he's, you know, finding ways to get these tight ends who aren't exactly great, but he's kind of scheming them um, with the play action to, to stress the linebackers and, and find, you know, big open spaces for them. So all the play action stuff is really fantastic. Um, and they've been doing it a lot and it's worked really well. Um, now, the bad is how he wants to handle short yardage situations, right? Um, those goal line plays were, were terrible and not because Chris Carson fumbled, right? It, uh, you have to help your running back and your offensive line out. You can't put zero wide receivers on the field. Um, you, you just have too many bodies. And, you know, he got stuffed uh, every time. And the fumble was a little bit of bad luck, but it, it wasn't good process that got them there. And so when they go into those short yardage situations they have to um spread it out a little bit you got to put a wide receiver on the field you know you love eye formation fine you know stay in your eye formation and stuff but um that those jumbo sets on short yardage stuff is going to be a problem all year long if that's what they want to do did you hear um the schottenheimer uh press conference by any chance or his comments about the goal line no, I've actually been like uh, in like radio silence on everything that's not worked for like two days. So yeah, I kind of hate it. <laughs> so I did manage on my walk to work. I listened to, I think it was this morning, I listened to his press conference and he had a couple of interesting, interesting comments about the goal line. So, one, he was like, uh, you only get like 16 goal line plays a year, or I think what, what he said. Like, you just don't get that many chances to practice and you definitely don't get them as much in preseason or something to that effect. So, they were they were trying something there. He but shouldn't said, you practice what you're going to do? Well, yeah. So <laughs> they were trying something, and he said, "I don't think I ever heard Daryl Bevel say this." By the way, he the first thing he said was, "There was a scheme error, like a scheme problem with the first play we ran. We asked Dwayne Brown to do a block that was just not realistic, and um, that play never had a chance to really succeed. And so we saw it." You know, we learned from it. We're not going to do that again. That was on us. I don't think I ever heard Daryl Bevel say that about any play. I don't know. Do you guys recall? Like, yeah, we, we messed up on the coach's side on that one. We called. Did you? Can you guys remember something like that? No. And they put their players. I mean, they. I mean, Cable more than Bevel, but uh, they put their players in a lot. Their offensive linemen in a lot of really impossible situations over the years. So um, that's really cool to hear because they consistently ask their guys to do things that were um, not setting them up to succeed and and never talked about it and continued to do it. So that's cool. Yeah, and he said on the second one, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but but yeah, I, they're definitely. I agree with everything you said, Nathan. And, you know, from a player perspective, one, Chris Carson can't fumble it. Like that, that he fumbled on two consecutive plays. This is a problem that he had at one point at Oklahoma State and then um, made some corrections and didn't fumble the rest of his time there. Um, you know, he's going to be asked to take, take the ball in tight spaces. Um, for short yardage in certain situations, and he's he's got to secure that. So that that was alarming. Hopefully, it's I wouldn't say alarming. Uh, I think it was an opportunity that came up that he clearly has to pay attention. Hopefully, he'll make the things the changes he needs to make so that doesn't happen again. Trey Madden also, from a fullback perspective, got destroyed in those plays. Like he was he was not effective at all. I don't think Trey Madden had a very good game 
in general. Um, he had a penalty on special teams. He, you know, I thought he had a decent first week. I did not think he had a very good week um, last week. So that, that also stood stood out to me. Um, Shadi said a couple other things in that press conference, but while you were talking about the the goal line, I wanted to bring that up. So were you, were you at all alarmed by Shadi making saying like they had a scheme error and probably the like the most simple play you can design a first and goal from the one? Um, no, because I mean, uh, I didn't take it that way. That was like, oh yeah, we. We don't know what we're doing, and to some extent, I would be—I find it refreshing, even if that was the case, because I think there's a lot of imposter syndrome and all sorts of jobs in the world where people don't want to admit that they're learning and they're trying things, right? But um, look, they—the fact that he acknowledges that something that they tried didn't work—that's what's important to me, because as Nathan talks about from a process perspective, then I trust that they're going to identify and not be blind to the mistakes that they make, correct them, and get better from them. If they come back and try to do the same thing, I'd be much more concerned about that. Yeah, that's reasonable. Okay. But, I mean, the, the problem where there wasn't some specific thing about the play they called in, the, in Dwayne Brown's assignment, I mean, there may have been that. Um, but the problem was, you know, beyond that, too. Like, even if... Even if you like jumbo packages, are we really going to be taking Doug off the field in those situations? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that's why I agree with your point there. And yeah, so it's good that he called out, went out, and acknowledged that. And like, I mean, it's good that they're practicing stuff, I guess. But practice what you're actually going to do. And yeah, you don't have Doug right now, and you don't have Tyler right now. But like, I don't know. I, that doesn't. I feel better in some respects. I'm glad he's open and honest, and I'm glad that they're looking at situations where it, the situations they put the players in. But like, there's a philosophical issue there that he has done. So he did. They, they did that. Uh, if I remember right, they didn't have a wide receiver on any of those goal line plays. And then last, the previous game when they had the fourth and one, they went uh, jumbo there as well, no wide receiver. Maybe one on that one. I don't remember. But uh, again, just way too heavy sets, and we've seen that consistently. So that's something to watch out for, and hopefully they. Um, adapt what else what else like stood out to you about the chargers game other than those things with shoddy stuff um rasheem green is still great um jaron brown looked good uh david moore had uh that everything so the first the big bomb was look okay uh, awesome job by him like i don't want to take away from him he fought like hell but like to actually get that ball like he th that chargers defender made a mistake and and david moore was there and he capitalized on it and that was awesome but like a little fluky uh that next play though the one after that that took them right down to the one that was a thing of beauty from the route um where he took an outside release and then cut it back in to, to catch that um to the the athleticism, the physicality, um, the strength once he had the ball and he like carries that guy down to the, like that was, it's, it's one play, it's preseason, yada, 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 yada. But like, that was an incredibly impressive play. Um, so all that stuff was, was really cool. I, I think just generally the wide receivers showed up a lot better. Um, everyone not named uh, Brandon Marshall. Um, <laughs> and that was cool to see. Uh, I'm, I'm not like excited about this group yet, but it's cool that the depth um, they're starters right now, but you know, once the top guys get healthy, that they have this kind of interesting depth. Um, it's really nice to see. Yeah. I thought Brian made a good point. In one of his articles recently where last year, the, uh, the fourth and fifth receivers, or if someone got hurt, were Tanner McAvoy and Darbo. 
who pr- probably shouldn't be making this team. It seems like they have really upgraded the bottom of the group. So one to six or one to five, they do look a lot better depth wise. Maybe not. I don't know if you can replace the numbers P rich had in his contract here, but that, that I do. Like, yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I, I, I think, I, I think Paul Richardson uh, had a good year. I think he's a fine player. I wish him well. Um, I think he's way overvalued by a lot of Seahawks fans. Um, and that, <laughs> especially uh, the, bearded, the bearded gentleman in, in the lower corner there. And um, I, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be able to make down, downfield plays in this group um, and uh, more than make up for the six touchdowns that, that uh, P. Rich had last year. So um, I, I've been pretty consistent. I, I like this group. Um, even Brandon Marshall, who has not looked like he can sustain, uh, you know, meaningful speed on the field yet and there's there's definitely reason to be questioning that he drew he he drew a you know 20 or 30 yard uh pass interference um on one play he had russell throwing to his left and drawing that to his six foot five receiver and then you had him throwing to jaron brown who guys i mean he's looking like he could be a real contributor this year i think jaron brown by himself may um come pretty close to Paul Richardson's numbers uh, this year. And so went to six foot five on the left, then he went to six foot three, Jerome Brown on the right. Um, uh, that was interesting. I th- and then you, you didn't have Doug or Tyler playing in that game. Uh, so I think that was, that was pretty impressive to see. You had Russell Wilson that midway through the second quarter, he was averaging his yards per attempt was 21.4. Like, this wasn't, like, after the first series. This is, like, at, into the third series. He's averaging over 20 yards a throw. Like, I, I feel like there people left that game with this. Oh, yeah, Seahawks are crappy. They're going to not do that well. The offense didn't convert in the red zone. Like, I feel like I watched a very different game. They got down the field in three plays on the first drive and should have had a touchdown, except Disley had, you know, a bad choice block. The play was good. The, it executed really well, um, and, and it was legitimate the way they got down there. Next series, they went 77 yards. The next series, they went 72 yards. You know, David Moore was like a half an inch from scoring on his catch. You had Carson fumble. Like, yes, there were some mistakes, but I'm much more interested in sustainable, repeatable offense. And sure, David Moore made a super lucky catch. That's not sustainable and, and reasonable or, or, or um, repeatable. But I thought Russell looked good. I thought there were some um, some decent ways that they were able to move that ball around. And I was encouraged by what I saw from the first team offense. Um, the defense was a little bit more concerning to me um, and continues to be, you know, a question mark. Um, I'm... Super interested to see what a combination of Rasheem Green and Frank Clark look like as a starting um, duo at the end position. I think that's their strongest pairing. I think Quentin Jefferson played really well, but Quentin Jefferson to me is a better run defender than he is a pass uh, rusher. Rasheem Green is, I think, a better pass rusher than Quentin Jefferson and is a pretty darn good run defender as well. So um, I'd love to see... I'd love to see that happen this week for them to really give him an opportunity to, to, to stand out. 